In 1986, 20-year-old Sharon Phillips was driving home when her car ran out of gas in Queensland, Australia. For over 30 years, she was never seen nor heard from. But would a deathbed confession finally give her family the answers that they were seeking? Join us as we discuss the disappearance of Sharon Phillips and dive into the darkness, one crime at a time. Welcome to One Crime at a Time. I'm Shannon. As always, I'm here. I'm your host. <laughs> With me, <laughs> as always, is my sister from the same Mr. Christina. Hi, everybody. What's up? Not a lot. Not I'm a off lot. work now till the first of the year. Yay for you. Yay. How about you go fuck yourself? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I would rather do that with someone else. <laughs> I wish I was off work for... January the 6th is when I have to go back to work. You suck. (laughs) You suck. You just suck so bad. Yeah, well. Well, I guess that's good for you. It is good for you. I go fuck yourself. (laughs) 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 (sighs) Must be nice. I wouldn't know. Well. Because I'm not off till January the 6th. As you can tell from the attitude that I'm... I, I kind of gathered that you probably yeah. weren't off that long. <laughs> Three weeks. Yeah, I'm not, Three weeks. I'm not off anywhere near that long. I'm not only. I don't even think I'm off three days in a row. <laughs> honest, honest to God. Three weeks in a row but, is when I know, get off. We all choose our paths in life, and obviously, I chose. The I chose one that gives me a lot obviously, of time I chose very, very wrong. <laughs> but you know. It is what it is. Well, you know, in the summer, I get two months off. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> I don't have to be reminded of sure you do. such nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a week off in Mar- at the end of March, too. Good for you. I am so damn happy for you. I'm you almost what? about Thank to you. fucking Thank explode. You. Thank you. <laughs> As I'm sure a lot of people are. <laughs> You're welcome. That are listening to us. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> They're not. They're not really happy about it. <laughs> that was me being sarcastic. Thank you. Oh Lord. But anyway, it is what it is. Happy it holidays, is. everyone. Yes, happy holidays. Hope you're enjoying everything going on. All the pretty Christmas uh, Christmas lights. Yeah, there's pretty Christmas lights everywhere. I was riding over to your house, and they were just everywhere, and they're so pretty. Yeah. I don't have any hub. No, you I've don't. Got, you I've don't got, even have your tree turned on. Not tonight. I do when the kids are here. <laughs> I turn mine on every I night. had it turned on last night. Well, I wasn't here last night. I know, but it wasn't for your benefit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so, I have mine know. turned on every night. My porch lights are turned on every night. I have I bought LED lights to put on the porch this year, and those things are bright. Bright, <laughs> bright, light. bright, bright light. But that's okay. Mm. You can see them. It's like a beacon. <laughs> I'm close to the airport, though, so I'm beginning to wonder if maybe that's a bad idea. <laughs> Somebody's gonna might get confused, <laughs> and then bad things will happen. Oh well. 
And then you'll be on the news. Yes. Nobody nobody wants to be on the news. I don't know. It depends. I don't ever want to be on the news. It's never good. They They don't tell tell good good news. No, they don't. (laughs) What is wrong with you people? There are good things that happen every day, and you never report it. Because apparently people that they figured out that people that's not what people want to hear. I don't watch the news because I'm tired of hearing bad things. I don't report some good things. I mean, they could be reporting good things, and I just don't know about it because I don't watch it. They're not. I mean, what do I know? (laughs) I'm sure that there's people out there doing good things every day. Well, yes, of course there are. Like me. (laughs) (laughs) Getting to work on time is not considered an accomplishment. (laughs) It is for me. <laughs> I'm great almost every day. <laughs> almost. Almost. All right, guys. Um we just actually got through recording a, our latest episode of Out of the Sticks. We did. So if you are into the paranormal and Or just history itself. Or history. Historical paranormal. Yes. Is that what it's called? Maybe? I guess so. Because maybe we should change it to if historical you paranormal. If you don't want to listen to the paranormal stuff, I do like all the history stuff first. Yeah. So you could just like stop it <laughs> if you don't like the paranormal <laughs> stuff. Or you could listen to all of or it. Or if you don't like the historical stuff, you could just, just listen, listen to, to the, the paranormal. paranormal. <laughs> but the paranormal stuff may not make sense without the historical <laughs> stuff. But, you know. But you can listen to I mean, it however you, you want to. You know what? You do you. That's right. That's all we're saying. So, But that's out in the sticks. So if y'all want to go find that, you can find that everywhere you find this. So. Yes. And we we're, we're just as crazy over there. Yeah, we're just as crazy. But Christina tells the story on that yes, one. Yes, I do. Of course, I'm not as well as I do, but whatever. You know, we make it work. Whatever. We work with what we've got. I didn't. I, did, I well, didn't do too good tonight. For some reason, I couldn't talk. She could not speak. I or could pro- not get the words or out. pronounce words. So, but it'll be edited, and you'll never know. You'll never know. <laughs> Except well, for the you fact will. that we just told you so. <laughs> but the people that probably are listening to that every day, whatever. <laughs> they don't listen though. That'll just be between us. Like, guys. Don't tell nobody. You don't tell anyone. <laughs> Okay. Um, oh, you said that I wouldn't do it, but I did it. I got our Patreon updated with our oh new tiers. God. Y'all must have sent her some emails. <laughs> no, I did it just because I love people. I love our people. No, you did it. And because, I did it. You know why she did it? <laughs> I did it because I've been meaning to do it. You know why she really did it? Because I challenged her that she wasn't going to oh, do it. Oh, shut up. <laughs> and now that it's done for your benefit. benefit. So, guys, for as little as $1 a month, you get four free episodes a month. I got a dollar. I got a dollar. I got <laughs> Actually, a dollar. Hey, hey, yeah, hey, so, hey. But we have four tiers on there um, that go up to $15, depending on what you would like to receive, what type of merchandise you would like to receive. I still um, haven't gotten what, my coffee mug. What, <laughs> well, pay, you haven't paid your $15. <laughs> $15? <laughs> So I can go to Goodwill and get one for twenty five cents. Not that it has our logo. I on can it. write it on there. <laughs> Would you stop giving listeners ideas about how to? 
it would how look, to circumvent buying our merchandise. It wouldn't look it wouldn't look the same because I can't actually do the picture. All it would say would be one crime at a time. No, but guys, um, like I said, you can go in there. Um, we're giving away coffee mugs, stickers, magnets, things like that. Uh, commercial free episodes. Yes. Um, the mini sode that we do every month. The extra um, posts that we do. Um, Stuff that we put on about the cases that we cover. I think on our Patreon we should put the outtakes of what we edit oh out. People of would show. never, people would never listen again. That would be a bad, bad, bad idea. Bad I think idea. They would enjoy bad, it. Bad idea. Because I mean, we enjoy listening to it, even though bad, we edited it out. Bad idea. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I delete all that stuff so we'll no, never see you the light of day. Never delete it because <laughs> I think that they would enjoy that. Well, I might start saving it, but everything up to now has been deleted. <gasps> and we're and tw- there's some funny stuff we out there. We are 26 episodes that we'll ne- in. That will never get to and hear. Nobody will ever hear it ever. There's probably a couple <laughs> y'all don't need to hear. <laughs> I don't think, if I don't put it in this show, you can guarantee it probably doesn't need to be out there. But I mean, if they're paying $15, I think they should get an outtake reel. We may, okay, well maybe. Maybe that's something that I will consider. Maybe just for the $15. (laughs) (laughs) You have to pay $16 for that. (laughs) I got a dollar. I got a dollar. Hey, big man, let me hold a dollar. Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, we're going to get into this story. <laughs> I think we need to. I think we need to. Um, as a reminder, also, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at One Crime Pod. Yes. Email us, one crime at a time at gmail.com. Whatever you would like to say to us. I'll read it. Whatever. Whatever you need to just say. Just be just be nice. I don't care if you're nice or not. Just uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever do. you feel. Um what else? Oh, you can be you mean go, but be nice about it. If you could go rate and review us on iTunes, those written reviews really help us out. So if y'all could do that, we would greatly yes. appreciate it. And we will read it on the air. Um, like I said, go check out our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash one crime pod. What else? Oh, our merch, our merch, our merch store merch. is open. Merch store, merch store. So, a link to all that will be in our show notes. So, anyway. Yes. On with the program. Yay. <laughs> Can you tell I'm off for three weeks? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm not, so I am not happy. Oh, but right. it's almost Christmas. Yeah. I'm not feeling very Christmassy. I'm not feeling very Christmassy. You should. I know I should, but I'm just telling you I don't. I don't know what you want from me. Damn it, do it. I just keep it real. Being happy is real. (laughs) But I'm not that way right now, so, you know. Whatever. Just having a, just having a mental, little mental issue. Okay. You know, just. You just. You know, it happens. You just ruined my high. Well, there you go. Well, that's what you get for bragging about being on for three weeks. So, you're not happy. Don't want anybody else to be happy. <laughs> so, uh, I go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, let's talk about our story. All right. We are going to 1986. Okay. That's 1986. We got okay. it. 
Boy, she just AD. The... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was BC. Okay. In May 1986, 20-year-old Sharon Phillips, she was living and working near Archerfield, Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> we are using these big words no, in these I don't episodes need, this I don't week. need to use big words. In May 1986, 20-year-old Sharon Phillips was living and working near Archerfield, Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. Now, Do y'all really have to write all of that, like, uh, if you're sending a piece of mail? <laughs> well, you know, Australia's the country. Queensland, Queen, Queensland's the state. Brisbane, I think, is... I think Archerfield is just basically a suburb of Brisbane. But, I, I mean, that I would know. be... I thought, maybe, I, maybe you don't have to write Australia. I should ask Karen. She's my friend from Australia. I should ask her. Ask her, because But I, she's not here, so I probably won't remember... You won't. Okay, so. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Forget it. If anyone out there knows. Well, we have some Australian listeners, so let me know. Hey, guys, let us know. Because, I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I just just, really want to know. know. I honestly do not know. Because I've always wondered that, like, about Europe and, like, England and all, too. Because you've got, like, in Canada. Because you've got, like, four names. Do you have to put all that when you send a piece of mail, or is it just? You probably, if you do internationally, but not, like, domestically. I was just wondering. Okay, well, that's been your postal minute. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Postal minute. <laughs> What's it going? Oh, well, I guess post. <sighs> Leave me alone. I'm, a little, I'm on vacation mode. <laughs> that flew right over <laughs> your did. head. Now, Sharon was from Queensland, and she was born the third of nine children to Bob and Dawn Phillips. Bob. Who, Bob. Was it Robert or just Bob? I'm thinking. I'm, I know it was Robert because one of their sons was named Robert. Okay. Like Junior. I think he went by Charlie, though. <laughs> Did they call him BJ? <laughs> no. Okay. As I just said, they called him Charlie. <laughs> as I just as I just said before you said that. <laughs> I couldn't help it, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> like I just told you. But they lived in Riverview at the time. Okay. Now, Sharon, she was enjoying having her independence because she had just moved out of the family home in Riverview about five months before this. Okay. And she had gotten her own flat in Archerfield. She had a good job at the Peaches and Cream Fruit Market in Ooh. Kenmore. Peaches and Cream. Ooh. Wasn't that like a group from like the 70s? <laughs> <Don't know. laughs> I'm pretty sure. They have peaches and cream like oatmeal. Stuff. Yeah, I that think it, I think good. peaches and cream was a like a group from the seventies. I don't know. Google it. While I'm I reading. don't have anything in here to um, Google it on. I'm almost positive. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is going nowhere fast. <laughs> off the rails early tonight. <laughs> It usually doesn't happen until about at least midway a, thir- a third of the way in, but damn. <laughs> so on the night of Thursday, May eighth, nineteen eighty six, okay, she got off work, and she and a coworker named Samantha Dalzel, they decided to go shopping at Sunnybank Plaza on Main's Road. At Main, Main. I thought we were in, oh Main's Road. Okay, Main's Road. Now, Sharon was wanting to go shopping for some new lingerie. Oh. And this. She's going to catch up with and somebody. And this was because she had a potential new beau 
I told you she's going to catch up with him. Only days earlier, she had met a 26-year-old Acacia Ridge man called... <laughs> I can't pronounce them. Guys, there's probably going to be words that I get wrong, okay? So no, just... This week's... Both, just ahead of time. Both episodes of both shows this week <laughs> have been very challenging in the vocabulary yeah. department. Now, only days before... Oh, only days before, she had met a 26-year-old... Named Martin Balaz, I guess Balaz, is how you use Balaz. Balaz, Balaz. It's Bay. B A L A Z S. Balaz. Balaz, I guess. Balaz. From Acacia, from Acacia Ridge. Okay. And they had planned a dinner date at Sharon's flat on Friday, the May, May 9th, which would have been the next day. And she was excited about this. Even though they barely knew each other, she was, you know. I'm so excited. Yeah, she couldn't hide it. She didn't and want, I just can't was hide it. She wanted to, she was trying to show stuff off. She was going to get some lingerie, so she wasn't hiding anything. So after shopping. <laughs> was she going to wear the lingerie only to dinner, or did I she think, go shopping for a new outfit also? No, that, as far as I could tell, she just went to buy lingerie. You need some clothes on. Cause well, she was going to wear clothes, I'm sure, but they were going to be. frown on stuff hanging out. They weren't while going to eating. a restaurant. They were planning a dinner date at her flat. Well, you didn't say that. Yes, I did. You just weren't listening. You said that they had planned a dinner date. You didn't I say it was at, at her, her home. Flat. No, I did. I said dinner date at Sharon's Whatever. flat. Whatever. <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> But in any case, she may have meant to, but she didn't. You just don't. You, your problem is you start talking before you're finished listening. <laughs> I did not that time. I'm going to play it back and then, well, but not right now. But I'll prove to you when we're done that I did say it. <laughs> so after shopping, Sharon and Samantha, they went back to Sharon's flat and they had some coffee. And Sharon left the lingerie that she had bought unwrapped on the in the apartment okay. because she had to go drive Samantha home. Right. And Samantha lived at Red in Redland Plains. Now, on the way to driving Samantha home, she drove past Belaz's Belaz's house. <laughs> Belaz's. I don't. Belaz. 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 Belaz's. She drove by his house. She drove by his apartment and tooted the horn. Toot, toot. Kids just, <laughs> just trying to be like, hey. Hey, you know, what's I mean, up? She was just excited about meeting him. So, you know, I guess just a, as a little anonymous She's message. She's stalking him. She knows where he lives. Well, I mean, yeah, apparently. So, she dropped Samantha off at her home at about 1045. That's and a late dinner date. This wasn't a dinner date. This was you are just not listening. <laughs> listen. Okay. Look, listen. This was her and her friend who went shopping I after know. work. I know, but it was ten forty five. But that wasn't a dinner date. 
they had gone shopping. They went back to I her know, apartment. But if it's ten forty-five, is he coming over that night or the next night? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out in my own mind. <laughs> if you would have been listening, you would have known. But I, I would listen, listen, listen. I did. Okay, listen. this is the deal. Okay, this is what's happening in our story up okay, to this point. Filming in. <laughs> Let me repeat everything I just said for the benefit of the one person that's supposed to be paying attention. I was paying attention, just not to that part. Okay. Okay. Samantha and Sharon. I know. They went shopping. They went shopping. They went back to Sharon's apartment right. to have coffee. I got that. Okay. He was not. The dinner date was planned for the next night. Okay. So that's what I was confused on. No, he was not coming over there that night. I thought he was coming that night. That's no. what I was confused on. No. As I stated earlier, it was planned for Friday, May 9th, which would have been the next night. Because we're on Thursday, May the 8th. Well. If, if you didn't obviously catch that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. <clears throat> so. Let me guess. They never made their dinner date. Huh? Did they get to have their dinner date? Tell me the story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so she just goes by there and honks the horn. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I'm listening. <laughs> just like now you're so listening so intently that it's uncomfortable for me. <laughs> well, you wanted me to listen. Just listen a regular amount. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently that's not working tonight. Okay. So, like I said, she drops Samantha off at around 1045 at Samantha's house, and then she's headed home. She's traveling on Ipswich Road. Ipswich, yeah. (laughs) Ipswich. I had it, and then you made me mess it up. Well, I'm just trying to help. Ipswich Road at Wacaw, up the hill from an old three-pump shell service station. Three-pump? Yeah. All of them have six now. Well, that's why it says it's an old... Three pump shell service station, which has since been demolished, so it's oh, okay. not there anymore. Okay, but this is where her canary yellow Nissan Bluebird ran out of gas <laughs> <laughs> at the service station. Well, near it, I was wondering. Okay, well, she stopped at a near a service station. Yeah, see, why couldn't she get gas? Well, first of all, it was closed. And second of all, she couldn't have gotten gas that night because at that time they had the gas pumps in Australia had become self-serve gas pumps where you operated it with coins, which she did not have on her at the time. So, Sharon's car had stopped outside the former Waycall Migrant Center. And directly across the busy Ipswich Road was the main entrance to the Waycall Army Barracks. And she went there okay. asking to use a telephone. Now, it was established later that she had walked into the Army camp, past the boom gates and the guard booth, and had been told by some soldiers that were having a party there that there were no telephones for her to use. Okay. She then headed down towards the shell station, the garage, okay, and the Waycall Railroad Station, which were in the same direction. So she just starts walking that way. Okay. And she gets to the shell station, and at that pla- at the station, there was two 
phone booths, like two two phones. Two phones. This was back in the day when they had, had public, pay phones. Public pay phones. Awesome for all of you <laughs> younger kids. That's a phone that you put coins into, and you can call people. Right now, she didn't have any coins with her, so she dialed the operator and had the call directed manual. I mean, connected manually right. by the operator. So she calls Martin, who is the guy that she's supposed to go out with the, ne- or the next night that's supposed okay. to come over for the dinner date. She calls him at approximately 11.18 p.m. Okay. Well, I say approximately. It was exactly 11.18 p.m. because that's what the phone records show. Well. <laughs> so she calls him and tells him that she's at the Shell station and has run out of gas and can he come pick her up okay so he says okay so she's waiting around now at 1203 p.m or this would be a.m by that point yeah she calls again because he is still not shown up and at that point martin's roommate tells her that he had already left to go pick her up okay so In the meantime, shortly after midnight, Sharon had a conversation with a 20-year-old named Michael Truscott, who had also been using the telephone, the public telephones there. And he had had called his dad to come pick him up at the station. Okay. Now, she told Truscott that she had run out of gas, but that a friend was on his way to pick her up. So, he got picked up and left. Right. Now, Martin would later tell police that he was unsure which service station to go to. And that's because there was a large shell station a few kilometers up the road from the little Waycall station that she was actually at. Okay. He also said that he had suffered a flat tire on the way. And so that it was taking him a while to get there. Okay. So, he fixed the flat tire, he first goes to the big shell station, realizes that it's not that one, so it must be the other shell, sta- shell station, easy okay. for me to say. Yes, really. So, he heads towards that one, and he comes on Sharon's car beside the road, but he didn't see her anywhere. She was nowhere around the car, nowhere around the service station, and he just figured that since it had taken him so long to get there that she had called someone else to come pick her up. So he just right, okay. So he just goes home. Okay. So the next morning Sharon was supposed to be at work and she had usually um would start work around seven thirty AM. Okay. But her boss, Bob Wilson at the peaches and cream fruit market. Peaches and cream. <laughs> it, you know, he said that he got alarmed because she didn't show up for work on time, and that was totally unlike her. That she okay. was there every day. Okay. You know that she didn't miss work, and if she did, she would call. Right. But she just didn't show up this day. They become alarmed. Right. Because it's been hours and hours, and she still no, she hasn't called. She hasn't shown up. Right. So he's getting really concerned. So he leaves to go look for her, to drive the route from Peaches and Cream to her apartment to see if 
he can tell anything or see if she's all right, go to her apartment, check on her, whatever. Okay. And he has another employee, Debbie Cox, call Sharon's parents to ask them if they've heard from her or know what's going on. Is she okay? You know, just trying to find out where she is. Now, as Bob Wilson is driving, he's driving down Ipswich Road, and he sees her car on the side of the road. And he sees a man tampering with it. So he stops. Okay. And he's like, hey, what are you doing with Sharon's car? Well, as it turned out, it was Sharon's father, Bob Phillips. Okay. Now, Bob Phillips says that a friend had called him about, um, because he had seen Sharon's car on the side of the road. So he had called Bob Phillips you know, to say, did you know Sharon's car is over here on the side of the road just making sure everything's okay? And so he goes to check it out. Right, okay. Now, he also recalled, you know, he verified that Mr. Wilson pulled up and, you know, that they were talking about where she could be because they were both concerned. And actually, in a separate incident, one of Sharon's brothers, Darren, he had also seen her car beside the road that morning on his way to work, but he it just didn't register with him that it was Sharon's car. Right. So he had just drawn, you know, went by. Now, he had tried to call her apartment later that day because he said when he got to thinking about it, he realized, well, but hey, that might have been Sharon's car. Right. So he had tried to call her and then had gotten busy and didn't get another chance to call her to check on her or anything but he found out later of course that no one was able could find her right now according to the official police reports dawn phillips who was sharon's mother Mm -hmm. she formally reported her daughter missing to goodna police at 8 p.m on friday may 9th okay The records also state that Bob Phillips and one of his sons went to Sharon's apartment that evening to look for signs of her, which would make sense, right? Yeah, I mean, they went to then they went to and then after that is when they went they went back to where her car was on Ipswich Road. And that night, Bob Phillips actually took her car from the side of the road. And took it home. Uh. Now, he says that the police at the time ordered him to get it off of the roadway. Now, the police files have no record of the, them telling him this. That doesn't mean that he wasn't told that. Yeah. But. Well, the thing is, is I don't I know don't, that the car. I don't know why the police would tell them to move the car. Because even afterwards, the police were like, why did you move the car? Right. Because now we're not going to know exactly where, you know, the car. They're like, we haven't had time to process it. We haven't done anything with it. And he goes to the car that night, the night she's reported missing, and moves, takes the car home. Huh. But And he wouldn't, like I said, he would later state that he was told by police to do that. I can't say... All I can say is he says they told him to. I can tell you that there's no record of it in the police reports, and I can tell you that the police claim they didn't tell him that. So I can't tell you who's telling the truth and who's not. It would be weird for them to 
tell him to move the car, but I could also see where maybe one that didn't really realize, maybe he was maybe new just to spoke the out of turn. Yeah, he's like, hey, well, you need to get this car off the road. Or yeah, something. and didn't realize really how serious it was. The situation, maybe. So, the detectives in the case, they would later say that this was a turning point in the investigation, the moving of this vehicle. Because the whole investigation, that's all they had was right. her car. They had no trace, the other trace of her at that time. Now, there wasn't a lot that, you know, they could assist them because they didn't have that evidence. Right. Now, but I, was she really taken out of the car though? So would that really be any evidence? Well, of her that, being that was all they had though. So they, I mean, they want to process it. See, well, I mean, what, I agree on that, but because they don't know at this point exactly what happened. Well, I know that, but she would. My, my thing is, is what if she was waiting in the car for whoever to come pick her up, for Martin to come pick her up? And she was waiting in the car instead of... But she told him to come to the Shell station, and the car was not sitting at the Shell station. So, I don't know. But, in any case, the police were not happy that the car got moved. Well, I can see them not being happy, and I understand they needed to process it and take pictures and all that before it was moved. Right. But just going on how the phone calls are said to go, mm -hmm. she wasn't in the car when she was abducted anyway. Right, true. Now, what the biggest hindrance that this caused was, like I said, was the police not being able to put the car exactly back where it was when it was found. There wouldn't because, have been tire tracks where they could have well, marked it. They it it was a big storm Saturday and Sunday, and they didn't get a chance until that following Monday. To try to take the car and put it back where it was, so they that couldn't they could, have went out there and marked it with spray paint or something like that. Until they they could get the car. I don't. Back they out could there. have, I guess, but they didn't. Is what I'm saying. I'm telling you why. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying I mean, when they found out the car had been moved. <laughs> until we have time to get the car back, let's go out here and at least mark where it was sitting. That would be but my first thought. The rain thought. would have washed that away. Not spray paint. Not if it had time to dry. But I mean, not all of it. Anyway. They were mad because they couldn't... Well, I mean, I can see them being mad, they but couldn't, I mean... They couldn't get an accurate... Because there was even a discrepancy of where some witnesses said they saw the car and where the family said the car was found. So, no, that was the thing. Like, you had some people saying this, some people saying that, whereas if the car had been left alone, I know. they would know. And I get that. I get why they're upset. No, they have every right to be upset, but I'm just saying... I know what you're saying, but I'm just telling you what happened. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I got you. (laughs) I mean, which is one reason why today when they're investigating stuff and there's things, they will take spray paint now and mark where it was at before they will move it. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons they do that. Now, concerning this incident, um, retired former Queensland Homicide Chief Bob Dallow who, who incidentally runs a secondhand bookshop hmm. in Ashgrove. <laughs> he was. <laughs> huh. I don't know <laughs> But he says, you know, that he got along with Bob Phillips fine, but that the whole problem from an investigator's point of view was that Bob kind of wanted to have his finger on everything and know everything that was going yeah, on. Yeah, but he can't. And, you know, 
and just kind of started. It just started off badly. Yeah, things that, it but didn't I start can off in a good see where spot. he's coming from too, because that's his child. I mean, and he doesn't know what happened to her. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of see where he's coming from, but I can see both sides of it really. Now the police also, you know, kind of didn't like the fact that the family members had been coming and going from Sharon's apartment despite it being a potential crime scene. Now, I don't think that it's a crime scene. But now, there were people in and out before she was formally reported missing. So, technically, it had not been determined that it was a crime scene. They were pretty trying much to just find trying their to child and family figure member. out where she was or what may have happened what to her. What person wouldn't do that? There were reports at the time that Sharon's younger sister, Lisa Phillips, during one of these trips to the apartment, had found the phone number for Martin and that Bob Phillips had called him to see, you know, if he knew anything about where she might be. And, you know, he said, told him the story about saying that she had run out of gas, him calling him to, him, her calling him to come pick her up and, you know, the details of that. Now... Donna Anderson, who is Sharon's one of Sharon's sisters. Okay. Now, she revealed in an interview years later that Sharon used to smoke some pot. And that well. her brother, that their brother Darren may have had a key because she remembers that her husband, Jim, and Darren went over to Sharon's apartment because they were trying to hide any drug paraphernalia or anything that might have been there so that their parents didn't find it. Okay. Now, that's what she tells. However, Darren Phillips, the brother, mm-hmm. he has a very different recollection of that incident. What he says, he says, I can't even remember why we went over there. I didn't smoke anything back then. I don't smoke now. I've never smoked. And he, she said that he says that Sherrod never smoked pot and or anything like that. And he says, quote, I can't remember going into the house. I went in with my brother Charlie. So he remembers going in with Charlie, who is Robert Jr. Right. And that they went in to look around and that was it. And he said he can't even remember what day that was. Well, he probably can't. So I don't know... <clears throat> I I don't know what, all these stories, and it may just be people misremembering, it may just be because it's been so long ago, I don't know, but it seems to be that no one is really, nobody's stories are lining up about what actually happened in the time between where they found out that she was missing and the time they called the police. There's like but different, you have to there's realize differing too, stories and, there. And, and, and there could be a reason for that. They're looking for their loved one. They have no right. idea what happened to her. And it may, I mean. So, I mean, they're just trying everything they can to find her. Now, I'm not saying there's not something suspicious there, but I'm just saying I don't know how I would react to right, that. Right, but I just don't understand where, because you got one sibling saying, oh, well, she smoked pot. My Maybe husband. she just didn't like her sister. <laughs> no, I don't think that's it. But. You know, she's she's may say in this story, and Darren's telling this other story. And he's like, "Well, I didn't even smoke pot, and as far as I know, Sharon didn't either." But Donna says that they used to smoke pot together. So I don't know. 
I don't, I don't know. So. Well, it seems to me like I don't know why she would even bring that up in the interview about her sister right. disappearing. So it sounds to me like maybe. I don't know. She's the one not telling the whole truth. Because why would you even bring that up? I don't know. Now, Darren also said that, you know, to, as far as he remembers, that he doesn't really remember, but it seems like that he was, that he and Charlie were going over there to meet the landlord because the landlord was going to let them in the apartment. Because okay. That's what he says. Right. He doesn't even mention being Jim being there, who is Donna's husband. Right. So, as far as he remembers, Jim wasn't even there. It was just him and Charlie. Right. But now Bob Phillips also says that he was he went there. He and he and he says that he and two of his sons went over there. So maybe he was there, and Darren doesn't remember it. I don't know. Maybe. I, I, it's I, all very confusing. It's very confusing, but I can kind of see why. I mean, because I'm sure things were just a haze then, just trying to find yeah, find her. Right. It's just weird that it's so different. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm more inclined to believe him, just because his story makes more sense. It does, actually. It does make more sense that somebody would have to go over there to meet the landlord to be let in the apartment. Right. Now, would she have given her parents and, a key to the apartment? I mean, I don't know. But why would they be worried about going over there hiding drug paraphernalia when all anybody's worried about is finding right. her because she's missing? Right. And that's my thing. That's the last thing you're going to worry right. about. <laughs> now, Detective Bob Dallow, he says that he clearly remembers an oddity about this early in the case. Okay. Because he states, you know, that Sharon and Samantha had gone back to her place after shopping and that Sharon had, you know, left the clothes there, that she had not unpacked them, that they were still, you know, in the bags and everything. Right. However, when the police get there and are processing and taking the the scene and taking pictures of everything, the lingerie that she had bought was actually spread out on her bed. Hmm. Now, he says that he remembers that they got a call from one of the sisters later saying that she took the lingerie out of the packets and spread them out. Why would you do that? I don't know. He said this detective claims that it was because Bob was a bit of a prude. And he says that he believes Bob went to the flat a few times before the police were called. And that, you know, there might have been some drug stuff in there that the family took out. That there may have been stuff in there. Well, there may there. have been, but my point is, is why is that the thing you're worried about when your child is missing? I don't know. And I I think it's important that the lingerie was laid out on the bed. That is important. And I'll tell you why later. But The drug paraphernalia stuff, I'm like I said, I'm still more inclined to believe the brother's story. Just the brother's story makes more sense for what's going on at the sense. time. Right. So now, I, I'm not going to say that they didn't move some drug paraphernalia, but why are you even worried about I that? I don't know. That might have actually helped find her. Yeah. 
I don't know. Now, a newspaper story by Ken Blanche that was published on May 23rd of 1986, which would have been a couple of weeks after she disappeared, quoted, when her father went to the flat the next day, which would have been that Friday, Mm -hmm. the lights were still on and the two coffee cups were on the table. Underclothing she had bought at Sunnybank was still in the flat. But it doesn't say in that if it was still in the bags at that time or if at that time it was laid out on the bed. Right. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, Samantha went, says when they left that it was still in the bags, that it was not taken out before they left that apartment for Sharon to take Samantha. Right. Ooh. When they left that apartment for Sharon to take Samantha home, it was still in the bags. Right. So, Bob Phillips also denies that Lisa Phillips went to the apartment, that, as it was reported in the press, and that and says that she's not the one that got Martin's phone number from Sharon's address book. According to Bob Phillips, he was the one that found the number in her purse that was in the car. And he said that her purse was in there, um, and a jacket was neatly folded in the rear seat, which I don't, I don't, I mean, I guess if you've got somebody in the passenger seat, you're going to neatly, I don't know. Anyway, he said that her jacket was neatly folded in the rear seat, and that her black wallet and shoulder bag were missing, and that he had another one of his sons, who was named Shannon, (laughs) but they called Grub. (laughs) The fuck? (laughs) I don't even want to know. And that's not going to be my new nickname. I guess it is. No, no, no. He said that um, that Shannon, that, that Grubb and Charlie were with him. Okay. So he doesn't even say that Darren was with him. Darren says that he was with Charlie. So it's it, there's got to be more multiple trips to the car and multiple trips to the apartment. And I'm not saying the there apartment. wasn't, but all I'm saying about that one story between Darren and the sister, his is just more believable. But this is his quote. Listen to this. This kind of got me, too. This is what his quote was. He said, I had Shannon with me, and it might have been Charlie with me, We had to break into it, talking about the car, and we had to break the steering lock. Four of us went down, but he's only named three. Hmm. So does that mean Darren was the fourth one? I mean, it's just, it's all comboozled, confuddled. I I mean, it's like they're not, nobody's, it's like nobody can remember clearly what happened this day bob yeah. phillips seems to remember very clearly but maybe he just for you know maybe he thought he had named everybody that was that had went to the car with him because and but i mean he names him two other people and then says there were four of us so right i found that confusing it's it's just inconsistencies that i'm just not catching. But they could be honest. Mo- well, I mean, they could. I'm just too. trying to figure out what actually happened and who was actually where. Yeah. And it's very, very difficult in this story is what I'm saying. Now, 
Of course, he says the police should have been at the car and fingerprinted the car before it was even moved. Everything was done wrong. Well, you're the one that moved the car. Right. But, like I said, he said that the police told him to move the car. So, I mean, if he knows that it should have been done that way, why didn't he say... I would have looked at him and said, no, I'm not moving moving it until until you you get through. But... They had already been all through the car, according to him, because they had broke into the car. They should have never touched it. Right. That's my point. So, I mean, he knows all this. He's saying that it should have been fingerprinted and before it was moved. But yet, you're all in the car trying to... So, yeah. I don't know. And I'm still... I'm, and I'm, Unless he means, and it may be that he means they broke it, they had to break into it to move it. It may be because he's talking about having to unlock the right the steering wheel. The steering so wheel. maybe that's what he means that they had to break and you know, and that after he broke into it to move it, that that's when they found the phone number in her purse. But yeah. it, I mean, wouldn't you be like, hey, maybe you want to take a look at this? Stuff? I mean, I just, I just find it hard, and maybe it's just because of the time, and not everybody was as up on, you know, how investigations but work they and stuff. were, though, Shanna. And my point is, is you keep saying, well, they've done investigations differently. As far as the technology we have today, yes, it was different back then. But as far as processing a crime scene, that has been the same for many, 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 many years. Yeah. And the fact that now he's pointing this out, you know, that it should have been done this way. Now, that's in an interview years later. That, so maybe he's, maybe... He didn't realize it at the time. But he wasn't a police officer. Right. What That's I'm what saying I'm saying. Is, is the detectives and the police officers and all of that, processing a crime scene, processing it. like Well, I know that. I'm not, not talking about the police. I'm talking about Bob Phillips. Right. I wasn't talking about the police. So maybe when he's saying this is the way it should have been done. He's just saying we shouldn't have done that. Yeah. We should have waited. So maybe that's what he's saying. Maybe he's maybe. realized now, oh, well, we probably shouldn't have moved that car. Right. But then he puts it off on the police telling him to move the car. But, so, I mean, I like know. I said, it could have been a rookie. You know, It could have just been a cop that was going down the road and saw them standing at the car. And said, you need to move you it. Need to, y'all need to get this car off the road. <laughs> I mean, it could have just been something as simple as that. But I don't know because all we've got are these... Right. Interviews years later, where they go back and tell what happened at the time, because there was not a lot, um, which we'll get to, but anyway. Now, on the Saturday after, so it was, she disappeared Thursday night, so that following Saturday mm-hmm. um, is when the actual police investigation got into full swing, and they started re- interviewing people. Um, now, they went to... You know, Sharon's parents' house, of course, right. to interview them. Now, Bob says that they never actually really interviewed him at all. He said that they interviewed Dawn, which was his wife, Sharon's mom. Okay. And, you know, he, he says they had a yarn to us on Saturday morning, which I can only assume means that they were 
kind of that's the first place they went because then he follows it up by saying but it's only natural they look at the parents so i guess that's all i guess that's australian speak for (laughs) we were the we were their first suspects well the family is always until they're ruled out the first suspects the people who are closest to the victim are always so in the meantime the phillips of course like i said had called martin to find out if he knew anything and they told the police about Martin's story. Okay. So, of course, they go in and interview Martin, and they they cleared him. They believed his story. So, I don't... They, they never really looked hard at him, so they must have been able to rule him out pretty quickly. Okay. And the only way that I can think of that they were able to do that... Now, I've heard two different stories. I've seen this said two different ways. One story said that the reason he took so long was because he had a flat tire. Okay. There's another story that said that the reason he was took so long was because he was pulled over for speeding. Well, so, I mean, either one of those, though. But my thing, my point is that they would have been able to quickly verify if he had been pulled over by the police. Yeah. It would have been harder to verify if he had had a flat tire. Because who's going to know that other than him? Right. Now, it could be that, you know, there were witnesses witnesses that said they saw her at this time. And his roommate puts him back at the apartment. I don't know. But... And I don't know really how they were able to clear him so there quickly. There had to have been a reason, though. Well, I mean, I'm we just, just don't know. Yeah. Now, they think that the abduction would have had to have happened at just minutes before Martin pulled up to where the car was. Right. So just right down from the service station. Right. So he, they think based on the timeline that and I don't know how other than the guy that was talking to her based on what time he left and got right. picked up right and maybe other people going down the road maybe seeing her standing there maybe that's how they know about the time that she actually went missing right and that it would have had to have been within minutes of him getting there so, in any case, the boyfriend was not considered a suspect. Right. Okay. So, there's that. So, on that Saturday, they're kind of doing some searches, too, on that Saturday, trying to see if they, you know, around the area where she went, where she disappeared, to see if they can find any evidence of right. missing wallet, any sign of her, or anything. They don't find anything. And then, I was wrong about the days. It was actually that Sunday that Sunday and that Monday when the rainfall was so heavy. So, so actually they, they had time. They had that all day Saturday to get the car. I had the days wrong. So yes, they had all day Saturday to get that car back to where it would have been left at. Right. So on that Tuesday is when the police took Sharon's car back to the side of Ipswich Road and okay. were trying to determine exactly where it was, it was sitting. And 
they were disagreeing with the Phillips family about where the car was because they thought that it should have been about 150 meters closer to the train station than where the Phillips claimed that they found it. Okay. So they're just, they're arguing. They, so my question is, did the police not come out to the scene at all before the car was moved? or It doesn't sound like it. Or either maybe they did, and that's why they're thinking that Maybe some of them did, and they're thinking, no, that, and that's why they think that it was closer, because they remember seeing it closer. So maybe that's why okay. they're arguing over it. Okay. Maybe some of the cops did see it. Okay. Maybe that's the why the, where the argument's coming in. All right. It's not very clear. No, that's not, and that's why I was asking, because the way it's sounding, it sounds like they didn't even go out to the scene. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess maybe they did. For them to for them to be for them to be arguing with the Phillips family about where the car was found, they would almost have had to have known if they've seen it sitting there, or at least one of them. I mean, you would think. I mean, there wouldn't be any other reason to argue with them about where the car was. I mean, they would just be taking their word for it because right they wouldn't have seen it if they hadn't been there. Now on that, this is what I'm not understanding, and this is where I get confused and. I'm telling you, everybody, it seems like everybody involved in this case, their memories are either bad or they're misremembering things. Don't do drugs, kids. That's what it'll do to you. (laughs) Well, I don't know if it's drugs or not. I don't either, but but I'm just saying, that is what drugs will do to you. Now, according to the police reports, on Wednesday, which was the day after they took the car back to the side of the road, correct? Yes. Because they said they took it back Tuesday on Tuesday. Tuesday usually what comes by after The reports Wednesday. say they took the car back on Tuesday. Yeah. Then the reports say that on Wednesday, the next day, that police found Sharon's shoes and wallet just meters from where the car supposedly ran out of gas. Okay. Then there's a quote from one of the detectives, Ken Foreman, and this is what he says. He says, I remember the afternoon they were found. We were at the scene talking about the differences in location of where the car was and found them in a drain that runs over the road. It would have been handy to know exactly where the car had broken down. So were they still arguing on, did they go back Wednesday to argue more about where the car should have been sitting? Did they not iron that out Tuesday? Apparently not, but I I agree with him but if they had all day Saturday, they could have at least gone out there with some spray paint, some well, they could rocks, have done it. Or, or they, something. Or they could have just took the car back Saturday. They could have, but they could I have I had the used... days wrong when I was arguing with you about that. I'm sorry. I was thinking that it was Saturday and Sunday was the... Re- I had misremembered. I mean, that makes more... Because that would have made more sense as to why they weren't able to take the car out there. But if the rainstorm was Sunday and Monday... They had all day Saturday. But even a rock sitting in the middle of where it was at (laughs) would be better than nothing. I'm just going to sit this rock right here. Until we can get the car back. So, yeah. I mean, that's my point. Anything to mark it. Right. But, so, you know, I don't know. It seems like they're just... I don't, it seems like... I don't know. That's just confusing to me because it says that Tuesday they took the car back. They were arguing about where it should be. Then on Wednesday, they're still arguing about where it should be when they're, and then they find her wallet and shoes. I know, but it it was just confusing to me. 
like maybe he's not maybe he's thinking of the wrong day or something or maybe he's maybe they maybe were still was, arguing maybe they were i don't know so over the preceding weeks the investigation carries on yeah. they're looking for clues looking for sharon and and the, of course the phillips family is pressuring the police to well, you know where's my daughter and the investigator said that there was a lot of pressure on the investigating police. And he says, quote, At the start of our investigation, we were told not to go near Mr. Phillips because he was perceived as a troublemaker and was partial to going to the press. Okay. So it seems to me like this family and the police... From Just the very really beginning, do not have a good they're with not each other. getting. It seems like they're working almost against, against each, each other. other. Yeah. In my opinion, is what it sounds like from the statements everybody has made. And honestly, I really don't think it's the police. I think it's. I mean, I'm not saying they don't have a part in them not getting along, but I think it is more bob phillips i think it is i think it it sounds like he he just he had he wants to i guess feel like he's in charge of maybe maybe that's the only way he's getting through it is trying to make sure that he's doing everything that he possibly can to make sure that they find his daughter and I get that, but you have to understand there's a certain way that they have right. to do investigations, whether you like it or not. Right. So, this investigation goes on weeks, months, years, and they don't find a single clue to where Sharon might be or what might have happened to her. Okay. Then, in January of 1988, it was an inquest into her disappearance. And a man at that inquest, a man named Robert John Brown of Harvey Bay, he told the story at the proceedings. Brown's story was that he said on Thursday, May the 8th of 1986. Okay. He had seen Sharon Phillips after 6 p.m. outside of a house at Riverview. Okay. Shouting to someone, I'm going to the plaza to do some shopping. Now, if you remember right, that's where her parents lived was Riverview. Yes. That was his story. However, we okay. know that that part can't be true because she was at work and then went shopping with her friend. Right. He then states that at 11.30 p.m., and by incredible coincidence, he was at a shop at Wakehall when he overheard a youth mention the name Sharon. Okay. <laughs> Brown said that he then drove off and came across Sharon on the side of Ipswich Road, that she was in distress, and that he had witnessed her bundled into a car by several men and taken away. Brown was known around town to be an alcoholic. Okay. So, this information was really never looked into any further. And I can understand why. Because, first of all, we know that the first part of the story is bullshit. Yeah. Now, Bob Phillips says Brown was well known to the Phillips family. 
as he had lived on the next street from them when they lived in Inala, I guess is how you say that. Inala. I guess. It's I-N-A-L-A. He said, Bob Phillips says that Brown had known Sharon since she was a girl and that everyone in the area knew of their relationship, as did the police, and he called Brown a pervert. Okay. So I'm thinking that Bob Phillips is implying if any of this story might be true and that Brown did see Sharon, that he may be the one responsible for her disappearance. Okay. I think that's what he's implying. Now, Jeff Foreman, one of the investigators, he says that police never knew of any relationship between Brown and the Phillips family. He said, quote, that was never made known to us. In relation to Brown, he was intensely interviewed by myself, Ralph Nust, and a number of other police. He was put through hypnosis by a forensic psychologist. The result of that was whatever he had seen was fairly traumatic. We could never find out exactly what it was he saw other than that, other than what he said about the vehicle. Okay. As far as Bob Phillips' comments go about knowing Brown, that's the first time I've heard it. When the coroner inquest was going on, the family itself was very quiet when it came to the examination of witnesses. Okay. So he's, the, the investigator's saying that Bob Phillips did not make it known that Brown would have been familiar with Sharon or that Sharon would have known Brown. Right, So that right. if yeah. he did pull up, she would have known him and might have went with him willingly. Right, yeah. Bob Phillips says the police did know that, or that they should have known that. Because Why every, should they I, have known his, that if he didn't tell them? <laughs> I don't know, because he said everyone in the area knew of their relationship. Well, the police are not in the area. Well, he said as, as did the police. So I don't know if that if he's saying that he specifically told them that. I don't think he did. I don't know why they would not... I mean, because why would they not know if he had told them that? I don't know, but my question is, I mean, if they didn't know that he might know them, I mean, I don't know if they're questioning him so thoroughly because they think he's a suspect, or if they're questioning him so thoroughly because they believe that he may have witnessed something. Maybe he called them and said, hey, I saw something Well, he did. I think that's what they're saying. And that's why they... Because he came forward during the coroner inquest two years afterwards. Right. But maybe he's just inserting himself. And he could be, but I'm just saying that that's probably why they investigated him and questioned him so harshly. Oh, I'm sure. He came forward. I'm sure. But that does not mean that they knew, that he knew Sharon. Right. But, according to Bob Phillips, he did know Sharon. Well, I'm not saying he didn't, but I'm just saying the police did not know of this. Yeah, according to them. Right. I mean, I I don't know why they would lie about it. Right, Right. Why would they have any reason to lie about that? But why would Bob Phillips have reason to lie about it? Well, I mean, I'm just saying. There's a lot of things that he's done that makes me question his sanity. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't. This, there's just it. There's a lot between the police and his family. There's a lot of he said, she said, or he said, he said, she said, he said. However you want to say it, but it just they. It's obvious that 
there's tension there and it doesn't doesn't seem they were working together at all. So after the coroner's were I'm sorry, did I said it again. <laughs> so after the coroner's inquest in nineteen eighty eight, the only thing that it found was that most likely Sharon was did not disappear on on her own or by her own doing and that it was most likely that she had been harmed. Well, yeah. I mean, is that really? I mean, that's I mean, pretty much all. I mean, because why would she call somebody to pick her up if she was planning on just walking off and disappearing? Right. I mean, Duh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it didn't take a genius to figure that one out. Okay, so years go by. And as the years pass, you know, there's different theories from everybody about what may have actually happened to Sharon. Right. And, of course, the police, they ran out of leads, basically. There was nowhere, no direction for them to go in. Now, what I find interesting, there was a rumor that there were two police officers in town that may have been involved in Sharon's murder. How did they know she was murdered? Well, I think that everybody's pretty much assuming that she was kidnapped and murdered. Because she's missing. Maybe she was kidnapped and died of natural causes. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the kidnapping part, we pretty much, yeah, we figured I'm pretty that much out. sure that she was kidnapped, and I'm pretty sure that she was murdered. But we, we don't know that. I, if I was a betting woman, <laughs> I was, I, my bet would be on murder. Another thing that I find really interesting is that one of the detectives, Bob Dallow, he still thinks that Phillips somehow made it back to her apartment that night before disappearing. Quote, I believe she made a third phone call from the phone booth that night, he says. It was her trick to call the operator and pretend she had no change and get connected. I think she got back to her flat somehow before she disappeared. And the, I think that the reason he thinks that is the fact that the lingerie was spread out on the bed. But why would her sister say she was the one that done it then? Well, Bob Phillips says that her sister... I don't know. I can't... I am not too sure that this family didn't have something to do with... Her family didn't have something to do with her disappearance. I'm not too sure either. I don't know... Because they seem to be working more against the investigation than trying to find their daughter. Which would mean they know what happened to her. I'm not well, saying every is, member of the family had something to do with it. I but don't know. First of all, I don't know why in the world. It doesn't make sense to me that if you're at the apartment. First of all, Bob Phillips says that the, none of the sisters were there. Right. Isn't that what he called it? He stated But then the again, he also said that there were only three people at the car one time, but then said four of them were there. Right. Which is making me, and then the different stories about who was at the apartment at what time. And times. that's what I'm saying. And I'm not saying every member of the family had something to do with her disappearance, but. Well, it's interesting that you say that because we're going to get into this family a little bit more. I don't understand why, if you're looking for your sister who has disappeared, you would worry about laying the lingerie she brought even, out on the or bed. Or even look at what, I mean, who cares? Right. Why would you even <laughs> look in that bag? Right. I mean, like, what are you, 
I don't I don't get it. I, I mean, she's I not mean, hiding in the bag. I mean, maybe. I mean, just look in the bag. I mean, I don't understand how. I mean, why you would lay it out neatly on the bed? Why would you even look in the bag? Because you're looking for your daughter, not. Well, I mean, I can understand that maybe you're trying to figure out where she had been. You know, you see this shopping bag that's there, but why unwrap the lingerie and lay it out neatly on the bed? That's what I'm saying. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm not. I'm not too sure that. She didn't. I I think she did make it back to her apartment, and I've thought that. Well, I did too. Soon, I mean, that's where I was and, going when I brought that up. And I think her family, some of the members of her family, had something to do with her disappearance. I don't know for that for a fact. I just know I don't that it's know weird. for a fact, but I'm just saying with what I've heard so far. They're working more against the police. They moved the car. No one, you know they knew that car didn't need to be moved. You know they did. I would think that you would know that. I mean, who wouldn't know that? I don't know. You would know that you don't need to move things around in the apartment until the police has been there. Anybody would know this. Common sense would tell you, call the police, don't touch anything. Right. Even back then, common sense would tell you that. So, I mean, I, even if it were drug paraphernalia, that might could give a clue to where she was at. So, don't move it. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like, I mean... It's not like they can arrest her for drugs. <laughs> yeah, because they don't know where she's exactly. at. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. It all just doesn't make sense. And I, it seems to me that there were multiple trips to the car and multiple trips to the apartment. Right. Right. And that's still and I think and that's why? why there's confusion and I think that's why people are saying, "Well, I don't really remember." Cuz I think that they were there multiple times. And if you're, I mean, what's the point of going there multiple times with and, and multiple was, people? That's what I was just fixing to say. When you went and found her car, you're not going to be tampering with it, trying to get in it. You're going to call the police. I found my daughter, daughter's car. She's nowhere to be found. She hasn't been seen since last night. Mm-hmm. You might go to the apartment and look and see if she's there, but you're not going to go there three or four times, look through it, pull things out of the bags that she shopped for. You're going to call the police and say, this is where she lives. Maybe there might be something there. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, all of that would have happened even back then. Right. All these years go by, and they don't have... Nobody knows what happened to Sharon. Right, okay. Nobody has said anything. I mean, no, nobody's come forward with anything. However, in 2013, a truck driver named Tony Prouse comes forward. Okay. He works for a mining company. In Ipswich. All right. He said that on in the early hours of May 9th, which would have been into the morning after Sharon disappeared that Thursday night. Okay. That he and some co-workers were on a dirt road that was at the bottom of a coal mine dump um, at Swan Bank near Ipswich. Okay. Because they were there dumping, I guess, the... I guess where the runoff or whatever it is, they right. dump every day when they were finished with the day's mining work or whatever. Right. I right. don't know how mining works, but it was a mine dump, and they they were, dig stuff out of the ground. They were they were dumping mine stuff. That's all I know. 
they dig stuff out of the ground and not all of it they can use. Yeah, so, so what they, they don't, I guess it's the extra dirt and crap. Because it's not like they can throw it back in the mine. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't really, that, <laughs> that kind, kind of defeats of, the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> the mining purpose. Yeah. But he said that they were out there dumping and that it would have been about 3 a.m. It was pitch black dark when a carload of hoons. What's a hoon? I think it means just like hoodlums. Carload okay. just being people being, I don't know, just, I don't Bad know. Bad people. I guess. People that somewhere they don't need to be. Uh, Australian <laughs> people. What's a hoon? Please email us and let us know what a hoon is. Please. I think it's probably just a hoodlum, I would guess, the same thing. I guess. But anyway, he said that a they a, colo- a carload of hoons. <laughs> That's just a funny <laughs> word to me. <laughs> in a car without any lights on came speeding past them. And he says that it is just was unheard of to see a car on that road because its only purpose was to go to this dump site. And really, if you didn't work for the mining company, there would be no reason for you to know that road was even there. Well, unless it was a hoon and they drive all these <laughs> dirt roads all the time. A dirt, a dirt driving hoon? Is I mean, a- because think about it. When... Well, we I mean, were teenagers. We drove dirt roads. And, I mean, I'm not true. saying they were teenagers, but when we were younger. Yeah, I mean, true. So they could have just found it and said that'd be a good place to dump a body. Right. So he says that he remembers it being a bluey green. Bluey green. <laughs> That's what it says. I just say that. He remembers it. It was a bluey green and white H.R. Holden station wagon with no lights. Coming out of there at a hundred miles an hour. I don't think those. I, mean, I think miles. I think it's maybe just estimated. Okay? <laughs> he was just. It's going. He fast. was moving. It's going fast. He's going. Man, that thing was fast. <laughs> he said they commented on the strange occurrence and you know returned to the site the following day where they found tracks leading to the edge of the dump site, okay. and it would assume it was tracks from this car they had seen. Because where else would these tracks come from, I guess, is... <laughs> out, of, out of the ground, yeah, you know. Out of the mine. <laughs> he says, quote, We could see where something had backed up through the long grass. You could see where they'd hit a big rock. It just didn't look right. When we... Somebody don't know how to back up. Yeah, I know, dude. I don't get it either. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how he knew they backed up into it. Like, how, if it's tracks, how do you know that they because just didn't I, drive I, into I, it? I will tell you. Okay. Because, for one, if you're driving into I guess it, it and can see forward and you hit that rock, then you <laughs> don't need to be driving. True. And I guess you could probably see if it was tall grass where they had where they came in and swung around and then backed in. So. And not at that. And the tire tracks, even though they may be the same tire, will look different on the back than they will the front because the front's going to be heavier because of the engine. Not if there's a carload of hoons in the back of that station wagon. They're still not going to weigh as much as that engine. <laughs> you don't know that. Well, this is true. I don't know what the you don't know. Look like. You don't know what these hoons are or who they I, are. I agree. Or... You're right. I don't. Maybe they had the weight of an engine. <laughs> 
You don't know is all I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm just until saying. Until we get an email. <laughs> under certain circumstances, under normal circumstances, the front of a car, unless it's a Beetle, I would is going to weigh more than the back. I would just assume it's because they saw on the tall grass where they swung And that's probably back, it, but, but I'm just saying, unless it's a VW Beetle, <laughs> the back, the front. Which, guess who drove a VW Beetle? Yes, my favorite person <laughs> to talk about. We can't go an episode without... We can't. Everything <laughs> comes back to him. It's, I mean, and I think that's what he planned. He got, he got what He's he in wanted. Your head. He's in your head. He's, he also says, when we heard the girl had gone missing and we added everything up, we thought it might be something worth reporting. You think? Maybe. Just he, a little bit. He said that it would have been a couple of days later that he waved down a passing police car and told the officer what they had seen. He said that he offered to take the police officer to the location, but was told that they would check it out later. Really? No, you now, check that shit out right now. Her body could be, she could have still been alive. <laughs> laying out there suffering. Of course, if I'd have been those mine workers, I'd have went and checked it out myself when they wouldn't come check it out. Right. I mean, I'm sorry, but I would have. Now, it was only, the only reason that he came forward again in 2013. Is because nobody would listen to him the first time. Is because he was told about a chapter on the case in the true crime novel, Crucial Errors in Murder Investigations. They need to extend that book. <laughs> it would be like as thicker than war work. and peace. <laughs> it would take three there's, years to read no it. There's no way you can. you can't write. There's no way you can write a book on that because it it would just take too long. Oh goodness! You need like a, a Encyclopedia Britannica series on that or something. It, it would be like twenty seven different books, book volumes. Like volumes. <laughs> you would have to do like each thing like. Each thing that's done wrong with its own book. Right. So, and since he, you know, was never questioned again about it, he said it's a shame because if she is there, it would be impossible to find anything now. Because this is 2013. And that's my point. And she disappeared in 1986. So he's exactly right. And that's my point. <laughs> so because how much stuff has been done there? I would have went and checked it out myself when the police didn't come or at least it. go ask again, go say, Go hey, to the police station right. and say, hey, I told this officer about this. Y'all need to come check it out just to make sure that this girl's not laying yeah, but down But I guess there. you figure, you tell the police, you don't hear anything back, you figure they handled it, I guess. I mean. I don't know. I mean, some people are different, so. Who knows? Apparently all police officers are the same. No, they're not. <laughs> When they're doing investigations into <laughs> no, murders. No, they're not. I think that we with this investigation, the bi I think the biggest hindrance here was the, the Phillips family. Was the and Phillips that's my family. thing. Why, if your daughter is missing, are you going to do so much and try so hard to work against the police, whether you like them or not? I don't know. And I don't know if it, maybe it was just construed as working against the police maybe they weren't actually working against yes, them were. maybe they were just trying to do what they i, I mean, don't know they moved the car they went in the apartment we know numerous times messed with stuff in the car messed with stuff in the apartment pulled her purse out when there could have been something in her purse which there was there was a phone number of the last person that everybody knew that she talked to 
Exactly. And all of this stuff, I mean, I'm sorry, but... I mean, I don't know. They knew that they didn't need to touch that stuff. But what if... I mean, my question, I want, I would love to know how in the world they cleared the boyfriend so quickly. I would like to know that, too, because supposedly what if, he's what the if he last didn't, person. What if he did pick her up? And, and I thought that when you first said it, that he did pick her up. He did do so. What kind of car did he drive? I don't, I don't know. Well, he did pick her up and I don't he told his roommate. I don't think it was a station wagon. <laughs> He told, just told his roommate that I had a flat tire. That's what took so long. No, that's what he told. That was his story. That's right. That's what he told the police. That's what he told the Phillips family. But it could but like be. like I said, there's two versions. I've heard that he said he had a flat tire. And then there's another version where he said he got pulled over by but a But either way, he's coming up with a story of why my point it took on, him so right, long. Right. But my point on that is if he did say, if he, if both of those came from him, his story changed. Right. And I wondered, I thought it might have been him to begin with when you first started saying he was the one coming to pick her up. Yes. And I, I actually thought that when you said he said he had a flat tire, that's what took him so long. That would be the first thing somebody right. would say. Right. I had a flat tire. And now unless they were able to prove, like they went like and Like they looked, had a witness or something. Or they went and looked in his car and it had... They could tell it had a flat tire. You know, the flat tires in the trunk. But you trunk can't tell the, when the flat tire happened. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. Unless, I mean, that un- flat unless, tire could have happened um, two days before that or unless, a week before but, that. Unless somebody else knew that the car didn't have a flat tire before then. But I'm just inter- I would be interested to know where that other story. Maybe it's something the press just assumed or... But it's out there. There's two different versions. He had a flat tire, and he or he was stopped for speeding. Well, and that's the thing is a lot of people, when they get to telling these stories, not the people who the, it happened to, when different people start telling these stories, things start right. changing. Especially when it's been this long. Right. So, But I just found that interesting. And that might, to me, that would explain why... The lingerie was laid out neatly on the bed. Because that one investigator, in his mind, believes that she made it back to that apartment. Right. That night. So let's say the boyfriend did pick her up. They go, he goes to take her home. Things happen. I don't know. Maybe there wasn't enough time for him from the time that he left to the time that he got back to the, uh, his apartment. I don't know. That that's the thing. I mean, but, but it seems like somebody asked him, "What took you so long?" Right. Well, the question he was, had to have come up with this story. Well, I mean, that I I'm not come up with it, but he had to have at some point told somebody the story. Well, I had a flat tire. Oh, yeah. I mean, because he was asked by the police. I mean, because even his roommate knew it took a long time. Because right. Sharon even called back wanting to know, hey, what's taking so long? Right. So, anyway, I would just be interested to know what they had that made them so certain so soon that he was not involved. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he is involved. Now, what I did find interesting is that years later... I think it was around 2016 when another 
is every few years it seems like somebody does a story on this right disappearance and martin would not be interviewed for that story and he actually had his wife speak for him okay which I found kind of odd. I don't know why I found find it odd. It just seems odd. But she came out and said that, you know, he, de- he didn't have anything to do with this. He doesn't want to speak about it. So, you know, you don't ask us anything else about it. Right. Why? I mean, why have your wife come out as your spokesman? Maybe he was just tired of... Being asked about it, yeah, and he just didn't want to. I mean, but why would you put her out there to to take to take the question? Because they're not gonna they're not gonna hound her yeah, like they so. would him because she had she was nowhere around when it happened. Right, I guess. And he was actually the last person known. Person I just that I just can't had see. contact. Maybe with her. maybe she, maybe she just did that on her own too. And it could be, but I mean, you that have to she's realize just defending that, him. They're really going to hound him about this because he's the last known person that talked to her before she went missing. Except for the 20-year-old guy that was waiting but on I'm his talking, dad to pick but him But I mean, I'm talking that about she knew. that she knew. Now, yeah, that she knew. And that's another thing. There are a lot of investigators who believe that it had to have been someone she knew. Because, I think it did because I don't think she would have gotten... But with the wallet and all being strewn about, it kind of makes it seem like that maybe there was a struggle and she didn't go willingly. Well, I'm wondering, too, if she ran out of gas. Okay, you said she just met this Martin guy. Yeah, a few days earlier. Why would she call him instead of her father or one of her brothers to come pick her up? Because I think that she was excited about seeing him again. And that was because she, remember, she had gone by the house, tooted the horn. Just kind of being flirty. I just think, I just and think, I think that it was because she, that was a way for her to see him again. But it just seems strange to me because most young people like that, when they have the first car person trouble, you're going to call is your dad. Is your dad. So why didn't she call her family? I don't know. There has to be a reason there that she did not want them to come pick her up. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, My only thing with that would be that she was 20 years old and wanted to see this guy. So she's Maybe, but I just think it's strange because most young people would have called their family, their brother, their dad, somebody. Yeah. I don't know. That was because I did think about that, and I was trying to come up with a reason since she had just met the guy. I mean... But that that's the only reason I would think is that she just thought that, hey, I've got a good reason to call him now to come pick me up. You know, so I mean, gonna... I guess that could be, but it just seems strange to me that she would call him before her family. Yeah, I mean, especially only knowing him a few days. Yeah, I mean, I, if she like had I... known him for several months, maybe. Or even a even a couple few weeks or yeah, something, but but not a I don't days, know, not a couple. I mean, of days. they they had not even gone out, but I just think that it's just because she wanted to see him and she was excited. I mean, she was she was buying lingerie for a date, and I get that. But <laughs> so, it just I mean, I just strange. think that she buying was... lingerie for a date is one thing, but breaking down and calling somebody you don't know to come pick you up is a completely different thing. Well, I mean, he was going to be at her house alone with her the next night, which in reality. Was not a good idea. Well, no, with somebody but... you just met, but 
that was more of a controlled environment, right? Too. But I'm just, this I'm just not. saying that I, I think that's probably the reason she called him. I, that's the only reason I can come up with. Unless she didn't want her family to come get her. Yeah, I don't know. Why not call? I don't know. Why not call her friend back and say, hey, I ran out of gas? Well, maybe her friend didn't have a... I mean, she had to go drop her off, so maybe her friend didn't have a way to come get her anyway. I mean... You know. I don't know. Why not call a tow truck? Or a taxi. Or anybody that... I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's just strange. Yeah. Because I would have called my family first. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know either. Unless he was closer. It's all confusing. Maybe he was closer and could get, and she figured. Well, apparently he, went, he couldn't get there quicker. <laughs> maybe in, maybe he should have gotten there quicker than her family would have been able to get there. I mean, I'm just and saying. She, you know, she wasn't crazy about being stuck out on the road alone. So, I well, don't know. She wasn't know. alone. She had that other little guy there for a few yeah, minutes. Yeah, but he left because his dad come to get him. I would have went with them. <laughs> Well, I think that they offered, you know, to give her a ride. And she's like, no, somebody else is on the way to get me. All right, guys. I think this is a good stopping point for part one. Yes. And pick up again next week. Get into some more suspects. Uh, you can email us, mm-hmm. time at gmail.com. Yes. We um, would like to hear from you. Um, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at OneCrimePod. Um, if you could, please go rate and review us. Yes, please. please give us those. Re- the written reviews really, really help a lot. So if you could um, take take just a couple of seconds and just hit us up and let us know what you think, yes. good or bad. Yeah. Either way. Either way. Um, so I guess I think that's everything. I think so. Yes. And until next week, guys. Bye. Bye.